We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NBA Most Valuable Player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Nice jumper. Got it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am one of your hosts, Ty Windish. I am joined, as always, by my victorious co-host, Rohan Kadi, directly on the heels of the Bucks, walloping, do not listen to the box score, walloping the Philadelphia 76ers. Final score, 124-117. The game did not feel nearly that close. Rohan, I think I know the answer, but how's it going? I am doing absolutely fantastic, Ty, for a multitude of reasons. One. Well, I'll, I'll just say involving this game. One, the Bucks got the win, which is very impressive. Huge job. As usual. Just big, the Bucks winning big, in general is a good thing. A great number thing. Two, number two, they beat the Sixers. So like the Sixers lost, which is always a plus. And number three, as we'll get into, I'm sure, in this episode, they, the Milwaukee Bucks absolutely showed out. It wasn't just a win over the Sixers. It was a triumphant win that sort of, it sort of epitomized everything we've been wanting to see this season. And this is why we are so excited about this game. Exactly. I think maybe the most impressive win of the season for by these far. Milwaukee Bucks. Rohan says by far. So we'll start with talking about the game in general, then talk about some players in particular. And then finally, at the end, circle around to what this game means for the seeding outlook going forward. We did all these seedings, all those seeding scenarios pods. We might just throw them out the window. The one seed suddenly in play. We'll get to that. First, the game at large. I think for me, the story here on defense was do not allow too many three-pointers and just make Joel Embiid's life hard. And he did end up leaving in, I think, the third quarter with we don't know. Getting tired of shouts you know, to the Sixers medical staff. Yeah, just, um, prayers to Joel for whatever's happening with the medical staff right now in Philly. But um, DNP uh, the second half because got sick of Brook Lopez and his grill. I don't know what the case is. He rubbed a shoulder, his knee maybe was agitated at some point. Who knows? His but neck, while, his back, his back. Sure, why not? Uh, <laughs> no, but while it, 
Oh, oh. Move past it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but while Embiid was in, he scores 24 points in 27 minute, minutes, which is a lot, but it took him 21 shots to get there. And he only shot seven free throws, which might sound like a lot through a couple you know, quarters, but for Joel Embiid, it's not that much at all. That guy's been living at the charity stripe this season. And I thought in particular in the first half, I think Embiid attempted one free throw in the first two quarters of play because Brooke Lopez was not letting him draw those fouls. I thought, I I think no better place to start maybe than the big fella. Brooke Lopez did a tremendous job on Embiid, made him work for his points, which is enough against the Sixers team because they were unable to acquire a James Harden perimeter threat to open it up for Embiid. You can make the Sixers half-court life into make it hard for Embiid and don't let them shoot a ton of wide-open threes, and the Bucs did that tonight. Yes, for sure. For sure. I guess we didn't mention this up top, but Ben, no Ben Simmons in this game. Yeah. No Ben Simmons He's in this sick. game. And most likely not for the Saturday game, uh, the Saturday matinee game. Uh, so sick, yeah, but not pandemic sick, probably, from what we can tell. From Yeah, exactly. From what we can tell. Again, shouts to the Sixers medical staff. Um, but yeah, uh, what we've been concerned about all season with uh, in terms of Joel Embiid and this matchup uh, with the Bucks and the Sixers is how well will Brooke Lopez hold up against Embiid? Because that's the main issue. How how do the Milwaukee Bucks go about stopping Joel Embiid? And in years past, we've seen Brooke Lopez have like varying levels of success. He's been a decent defender of Joel Embiid. However, this season, we've been made abundantly clear that Brooke Lopez has lost a step. He is not the same player he has been the last two seasons, even though we've been clinging to hope. Uh, I guess, no, we're not really clinging to hope anymore, right? It, it's, I, we might be now, after we, tonight. <laughs> you know what? Maybe, maybe. But we've we've basically, basically acknowledged that Brooke Lopez is not the same player in terms of foot speed, just general defensive and offensive capabilities. He showed out tonight. He proved us wrong, and he proved that he could still be an Embiid defender. Again, Embiid still ended up with 24 points. Took 21 shots, like you mentioned, Ty. That's not great. If that's the ideal out, if that's the outcome, uh, Joel Embiid getting 24 points, but it takes him 21 shots, you take that every single night. Every single night. Because it's you're wasting possessions for the 76ers. They're not really going to get good opportunities. You're making their best player be inefficient, and that's what it takes to win, and it really showed out tonight. It did. It did, and I think that's just the key to winning a playoff series is you're never going to hold a player like Embiid, who is like right up there in the MVP conversation this season, to like four points, right? That just doesn't happen. You have to contain guys and make their life hard, and that's what Milwaukee did with Embiid. And I think the encouraging part about this game was, you know, the Bucks shot hot for sure. 55% from the field, 50% from deep, 60 from the free throw line. Classic Bucks there. But the thing is, the Bucks had great looks because they kept engineering great looks. We'll get to the offense shortly. And the other thing is, Philly shot really well too. 50% from the field, 44% from deep. And that number was closer to 50% from deep heading into garbage time. So... Philly was also shooting unsustainably hot. And for all that Ben Simmons does add, he's not going to help their perimeter shooting, you know, on passes from Embiid on the block, right? Like that's the one thing they were better off without uh, Simmons in the shooting department. And I know he generates a lot of threes, but when he's out there with Embiid and you know, the ball is going to be in Embiid's hands a ton, 
he's not a threat to shoot off anything ever. So having Tobias Harris, Danny Green, Seth Curry, and George Hill all out there for the Sixers around Embiid, that's more shooting weapons than he usually has. The Bucks did a really good job helping, making sure Brooke wasn't on an island all night without losing track of those shooters. I mean, you just look at the box score. Tobias, 0 for 1 from deep. Danny Green. Did Danny Green get hurt or does he just not play much? He only played 15 minutes in this game. I just, I think he just didn't play much. I uh, yeah, I think, I mean, they lost his minutes by 18. He didn't score a single point. So it's, it wasn't doing a whole lot. Shake Milton and uh, Tyrese Maxey and some of these young guys looked a lot better. So, but Danny Green, 0 for 0. Seth Curry, or 0 for 1, excuse me. Seth Curry, 3 for 3. They lost Seth a couple times. Cannot do that. I hope, hope the team learns from that film. But George Hill, 0 for 0. The Bucks were not letting these guys shoot. And if you're going up against Joel Embiid, your best case scenario is you force him into those long mid-rangers, you don't foul him, and you don't give up those open catch-and-shoot threes from the post. The Bucks did three out of three, allowing Philly's four starters a combined five threes, and Embiid taking the most out of all the starters, that's a win every single time. And you could see like the Sixers would start to get close, but they couldn't score enough points at once because the Bucks just were not letting them rain down threes, and it made such a difference. Mike Scott three for five, Maxie, two for four, Shake Milton, three for five. The last two of those guys have not been great shooters this season. So I think a little bit of overperformance there, kind of making up for the starters, not hitting any. But even with those guys hitting threes, this thing was still pretty out of hand for most of the game. This is the Bucks we've wanted to see, right? Like, don't let teams rain open threes, make them make the harder shots, and suddenly Milwaukee's going to have a great chance to win. We saw that. The Sixers were forced into so many long twos and it's just really hard to win that math equation when Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez are raining down threes Giannis is getting to the rim at will like it's it's hard to beat the Bucks that way it really is uh I'm glad you mentioned the staying to shooter sort of aspect of it because earlier on in the game I believe it was like early second quarter maybe late first quarter uh, I can't exactly recall. They were starting to go with Embiid, just sort of facing up uh, and clearing that side, clearing the strong side, and just having uh, Seth Curry, who is the team's best shooter, just sort of uh, keep watch up top. And sort of if uh, if that guy goes to help Embiid, he'll just make an easy kickout pass. And Dante got caught doing that a couple of times. He would help off of Seth Curry, and Joel Embiid can make that super, super easy pass to go, you know, I'd give it to a great shooter who's going to be decently open. That's good offense for the Sixers. So what do the Bucks do? They counter with just bringing the help from literally anywhere else. <laughs> and it worked. It's it's wild how yeah, that works. And it is. And that's uh, the other thing about Simmons playing is like it gives you a free you help. Put Giannis on Simmons. Yeah, you put Giannis on Simmons and that, that's Giannis's dream defensive assignment for the way he likes to play. You literally could not get burned as long as you wander toward the rim away from Simmons and don't give him that free path to the rim. That is perfect for Giannis. Like, that's a lot easier for Giannis than trying to, like, stay close-ish to Tobias or Danny Green. But uh, all the Bucks, I think, maybe Dante aside, the one guy who got a downstock for this game, not a good performance from Dante. But let's not dwell on it. We have so many positives. It's all the same stuff we've been saying about Dante all year. Listen to literally any other excerpt on Dante after the hot shooting start, and it's generally the same thing from us. So let's not well, dwell on that. The one thing I'll say, I'll say on Dante real quick. Okay. Uh, maybe it's not okay. just Dante, 
uh, because the entire team was seemingly fixated on force feeding him the ball for stretches. And just he he was doing absolutely nothing with it. He made he made a couple, uh, I'll say one good good pass to the corner, and completely miffed his other passes to the corner. But that was just that was wild to see. It's just like it's clear that they had a directive to get Dante in the ball, and it just he's it looked would, at as a point guard. When, when Drew's not out there, he's he's the point guard. And this was the one questionable bud decision in this game was not playing Teague at all and playing Dante so much as the backup and point guard. And it might guard, have I just, been a rest thing. We have no idea because there's no other yeah. explanation to why Jeff Teague literally logs zero minutes when he's been a consistent contributor ever since he's joined the Bucks. So I think it might be a rest thing. Well, the other explanation is I think we got we got a closer to a playoff rotation in this game, a strict nine-man rotation. Maybe this is a glimpse at Teague being left out of the playoff rotation. I would not like that at all. I think he's been way too good. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you have Dante out there trying to run. Maybe it's a little bit of an experiment. Who knows? But yeah, well, it could certainly we'll be a rest thing. I mean, the Bucks, the Bucks have, let me think, 14 games remaining and 10 of them are one part of a back-to-back, which is just disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Yeah. So I think they have six so, games in nine days. This is the first first game of that. So that's good. Yeah, it's a nice we'll really, We'll um, really see whether Jeff Teague is part of this or not uh, come Saturday's game, if it was actually a rest thing or not. Oh, I think he's for sure going to play in that game, I would say. But I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. We'll see. Um, no idea if Embiid will be ready from whatever is ailing him by then. And Simmons might be out too. So hopefully this would be huge. Uh, you know what? Let's wait on seating. Let's wait on seating. Let's wait on seating. Do you want to talk about Giannis, Chris, Drew, Bobby Portis, Bud? Where do you want to go from here? Um, let's go. We we already mentioned a bit of him, so let's go with Brooke Lopez here. So I already mentioned up top that Brooke Lopez had a resurgence tonight. He shot four of seven from three ties, six of ten from the field overall, while playing as good a defense as you can do against Joel Embiid. Yeah, the what big numbers. Was that besides, the big numbers besides the one you said? Two blocks, one assist, so finally he got some passing. Only one turnover. But I think the biggest of all for me, I mean, the three-point shooting is amazing, but two fouls, two fouls in 23 minutes. That's the thing. Embiid, you just can't keep fouling him. Like, he's dangerous from all over. He's got the jumper. He made a bunch of long twos. Again, you just tip your cap. Okay, that's the shot. That's the shot. You can't foul him. Lopez stayed disciplined, only picked up two fouls, was on pace overall in the game to have less than four that's the number you need. You need to make Embiid beat you with real shots, not with the charity stripe shots. I was really impressed. I mean, the offense, listen, it's not going to be like this every game. We all know that. It's we can nice. <laughs> we can. It's nice to see he still has this in him offensively from time to time. You could feel the whole team got up in a different way, and it does make me feel better about the playoffs knowing that performances like this are still in the tank from Brook Lopez. But defensively, I think he's capable of this game in and game out in a series against another big man. That's great to see. Like, and you know what it's, else? It's it's not even just any. It's just for Embiid. Really, yeah. That's the like big looking one. at the landscape of the yeah. East. It's just for Joel Embiid. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We mentioned playoff rotation type stuff before. Even with Embiid out there for 27 minutes, Lopez only logs 23 minutes in this game. So we've been saying Brooke Lopez, still a useful player, probably more of a role player now than a crucial starter. You look at the minutes differential and it was reflected. Giannis plays 35, Drew Holiday plays 35, Chris Middleton plays 34, and then there's oh Dante at 26, so he's the next highest. Then it's four guys at 23. Brooke Lopez, P.J. Tucker, Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, and then Bryn Forbes right behind at 16. That is exactly the kind of minutes breakdown in the rotation we want to see. We don't want to see Brooke Lopez force-fed out there when Portis can maybe accomplish more and just save Lopez's legs for the Embiid minutes. That's what we got, and it was really encouraging. I think if there's ever a time you can probably afford to play Lopez a little much, it is against this team because – you know, when Embiid is out, it's Dwight Howard in there. Like, he's going to be able to stay on the floor against either guy. I mean, if he can stay on the floor against Embiid, he can handle Dwight Howard. So seeing him in this matchup only play role player minutes, good, like not, not even as to denigrate him, but just like looking at him as more of a Bobby Portis or Dante level player than a Chris Giannis Drew, I think that's huge. And that could potentially be really good if the Bucks are already looking at Lopez like this before going into a series against like a Brooklyn or even some of these other teams in the first round. For sure. Uh, just quick little aside here. I was, you mentioned Dwight Howard. There was one, uh, there was one possession where they just zoomed in on Dwight Howard. I was watching the uh, Valley sports Wisconsin broadcast. Weird to say still. Yes. Yeah, terrible. Um, it's like AmFam park. I'm not a fan. Not, it's not good. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Uh, and they just zoomed in on Dwight Howard after they called a foul on him or something. And I just had this, this moment of thought. I was like, I cannot believe that this is Dwight Howard. <laughs> like this is the same guy that led the freaking Orlando magic to the finals and beat LeBron. Like I just, I had this, it was a weird moment of thought like man that's dwight howard <laughs> the bigger you are the harder you fall remember when his glutes basically same. his glute almost ruined his career in charlotte yeah age that, is crazy, that's just man. a weird sentence to hear about dwight howard <laughs> it is it really is his bounce around the league was spectacular before he landed with the lakers i think it was just going to keep going he was, a, he was at the wizards he was on the hawks yeah it's got a that lot of jerseys cool. on that b-ball ref page yeah, it was it was a it was a weird moment of thought, but I think this is a good transition. Like talking about like these minutes rotations, talking about Bud, because we let's have to it. let's give credit where credit is due. Coach Bud absolutely kicked ass. In this he brought game. it. He brought it tonight. Let's 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 get the bad stuff out of the way so we can actually be glowing, praising about Bud. And I want to preface this all with this: we're not 
true bud believers for life because of this. Like this is something that happens every time without fail. Every time I tweet a positive thing about bud, it's like, Oh, you're drinking the Kool-Aid again. Bucks fans are brought back into bud. Cause of one. No, like it's like, he does good things from time to time. Like this is what we do. We're going to call it out. It doesn't mean that we're like re up bud, keep bud around for all of Giannis's tenure. No, the, but like see the condo we bought the third. Word. Yeah. I, did. I don't want to talk about bud condo watch, but um, I didn't love it, but I don't care. Uh, <laughs> but no, like it, it's, it's still encouraging to see him coach well, because he's obviously like, he's the coach of this playoff run. I want him to do as well as possible. We're not going to analyze things as they happen. It's that simple. Yeah, it's that simple. Yeah. But okay, the the bad stuff. No Teague, but we don't know if that was a rest game or what. Would like to see Teague. Um, the weird Dante decisions. <laughs> yeah, it's way too much Dante. Although that feels slightly organizational to me, but who knows? It's We'll still put it on bud. Too much Dante. And then... I don't know. There was like a 40 second spell when none of the big three were in in the first quarter. That kind of sucked. It's like 40 seconds though. It wasn't a huge deal. We're having yeah. to pick nits. That's good. Yeah. Let's get okay, to, the, let's good go to the good. Yeah. Let's, go let's to get good to the good. <laughs> uh, so like you mentioned earlier, uh, a solid nine man playoff rotation that I realistically do not have any complaints with whatsoever because we get everything that we really wanted. We saw Brooke Lopez match up against Embiid very well. And then in the minutes that Embiid doesn't play, we see a lot of Bobby Portis, a lot of PJ Tucker in those sort those sort of roles and mixing up different lineups, different matchups, different schemes in that regard. It was just, it was beautifully executed in terms of rotation. Like you mentioned, the big three uh, are getting the most minutes as you should. In fact, we, this was a little bit of a, uh, a rest game for them in the sense that they got less minutes than they probably would have if this game was closer. Yeah. <laughs> and if Giannis wasn't chasing 12,000 career points. Uh, <laughs> yep. So that's what well, we'd usually probably see that those three at around the 40 minute mark. If this was like an actual playoff game or actual close playoff game, I should say. Mm-hmm. So that was great. Just the rotations themselves, the minute allocations, that was great. Yeah. Okay. So let, let's start. Let's break this down in the first quarter. So the first quarter, uh, the Bucks start out on a masterful 10-0 run, and you can say, "Oh, it's just you know, great shooting from the Bucks," or you could say that the Bucks are getting absolutely the looks that they wanted, and they were crushing the 76ers on defense. Talk me through it, Ty. Yeah. So I think the the crucial takeaway for me, and this is something that we've railed on a ton on the Bucks, is all these silly shots, these unserious shots, right? Dante's taking a step back. Brooke Lopez is careening through traffic while Drew Holiday just sits at the perimeter chilling. Drew and Chris scored 100% of the first 10 points. Two threes, two twos. I think one of each from each guy, right? I believe so. I think so. And I think the Chris, the first Chris three was assisted by Drew right after we talked about Get Chris taking these catch and shoot threes. Yeah, he more. got the Bryn Forbes look, Ty. He got what you've been wanting. And we and he, no no surprise, he crushed it. He sank it. And the the discipline that they came out with was just so obvious and so obviously different than the average game, right? Like it was Drew on ball actions over and over and over. And the Sixers are crowding Giannis because, of course, that's what teams default to, right? Is like we can't let Giannis go off. But there were space opening up for Drew and for Chris. And seeing those guys take the first four shots to go on this 10-0 run just felt amazing. These are the guys you want shooting 
And even for most of the first quarter at large, the only time guys not named Chris, Drew, and Giannis were taking shots was like a perfectly set up Brooke Lopez three from the corner. Like the shots role players should be taking. And most of that first half, it's like if a role player was shooting, they were cutting to the basket or shooting a catch and shoot good look. And no surprise, the Bucks offense like ignited. It was beautiful. And it's just like, it was such a great proof of concept. And I think even more exciting for me than seeing that work, because I think we all kind of expected that would work, was seeing the Bucks so purposefully do it while in playoff mode. Like you could tell that they were treating this like a playoff game to a certain extent. And the fact that they are seemingly going to think about the shot diet that much more while in that mode is super encouraging. And I also think it shows you how important Drew Holiday is because think about like, you know, against Miami last year, the Bucks wanted to go to the Christianis pick and roll and it kind of got neutralized and they kind of ran out of stuff to do. It's a lot harder to neutralize three players than it is two players. And I just think Drew Holiday in the mix makes it so much harder because if you sell out to stop a two-man action with Drew and Giannis, then Chris is attacking a bent defense and if he has space to dribble and get his shot off, we know what he can do. He's a bucket. If he has space, he's a bucket. He can pull up from anywhere, and we saw it on display. And that is the exact approach that we talked about wanting to see Milwaukee take. We saw them take it, and they dominated. Like, that is pretty much picture perfect, the game plan we wanted and the result we wanted. Like, the game plan and the execution were both on 10. For sure. Let's let's just go through this first quarter because the I think the first quarter was a microcosm of what we wanted to see from the Bucks yes. all season long. So just looking at shot numbers here, Giannis, Chris, and Drew Holiday all take four shots in that first quarter, which is, you know, all three of those <laughs> your big three getting the most shots is great. Just again, based on just shot equity alone. And Chris takes two twos, two uh off the dribble threes. And that's that's what you want to do. You get Giannis getting uh, getting to the rim. He goes three or four from the field. Drew Holiday takes two threes, misses one of them, and you know he makes his uh, makes both his two pointers. And then the next highest is Pat Connaughton, who takes three shots, and one of them was a cutting dunk, and the other were two wide open catch and shoot threes. Brooke Lopez two shots, wide open catch and shoot threes, and then Dante. I can't remember for the life of me what Dante's shot was. I think that uh, was might have been a bad one. Yeah, that, that might have been a bad. Oh, it was a it was a off the dribble three coming off of a pick from Giannis, which isn't great. Uh, and then see that's Bobby Portis misses it too. Yeah, the I didn't love the Bobby Portis shot, but it was a catch and shoot look. It was from two. That's why I didn't love it. Love it, but I think Bobby Portis has he's he's shown enough that I'm I'm not going to gripe about and it. Those, I'm not going to grab those were all it. the shots in the first quarter, and the Bucks score forty points. That's perfect. That that's is perfect. That's how to Dante. Perfect. I'm telling Dante it's perfect. I mean, you can't expect See, if, like every single shot to be just incredible, but that's like realistically the best an NBA team can do. And they yeah. did it. And we've been wanting you, to see at, that all season. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. You go, you go. Okay. So we've been wanting to see that all season long. We've been building uh, towards this moment. It's sort of like, oh, they're using the regular season to figure things out. And we're, they're testing all these different things on offense. Are they ever going to put it together? They put it together. And they've proven that they can put it together. They woke up today feeling dangerous, Ty. Dangerous. I love that line. And I think, you know, you mentioned the minutes breakdown. The shots breakdown, crucially, was also like this. So Giannis takes 15, 
but also 18 free throws. So Giannis leads the pack in shooting possessions by a mile, which is how it should be. Chris Middleton takes 16 shots. Drew Holiday takes 12 and two free throws. Then Brooke Lopez takes 10, which sounds like a lot, but seven of them were threes, just about all of them open. So it's like, you know, let guys take as many catch and shoot threes as they want to. Yeah, the Sixers issue did not that. realize that Bobby Portis is the shooter. Whoa, Bobby Portis. You know what? Let's let's get right. Actually, uh, do we have more Bud stuff? I think it'll kind of flow naturally. Yeah, it'll, it'll flow. Yeah, let's let we gotta talk about Bobby Portis. How have we gone this long without talking about Bobby Portis? Bobby, my man, <laughs> my man, nine for eleven from the field, five for five from three, five rebounds, one assist, one steal, three blocks. One turnover, 23 points for Bobby Buckets. And, you know, at one point, he kind of, I think it was uh, either he slipped a pick and roll or like he set a screen and was kind of moving off it. The action wasn't really going anywhere. And he relocated to the corner like Seth freaking Curry. Like he was got out there and just floated out there immediately, was ready to shoot, got the ball, nailed it. Like he might just be ready to play over Bryn Forbes because he offers most of the Bryn Forbes experience on offense while 6'10". Like his shooting this season is ridiculous. It is held up. The form looks great. Lethal shooter. Give this guy some coach of the year, lethal shooter. That's my vote. Give me the ballot. I'm I'm writing in lethal shooter because he's made Bobby Portis. Yeah, we're never going to get ballots, but he's made Bobby Portis a threat and he proved it tonight. This was, you talk about maybe diminishing returns. Maybe that is true, but Bobby Portis is a guy that you can put out there for 23 minutes. He might give you 23 points in those 23 minutes. What a performance. It was, it was absolutely incredible. I don't think the Sixers really realized who they were dealing with. Here. I just think teams Dwight Howard was just full. Yeah, Dwight Howard, like, what are you supposed to do? He was sort of crowding the rim because Giannis is sort of going to him. It's like, okay, I guess I'm going to leave Bobby Portis wide open in the corner. And that's like, that's the best option here. And it's just, it's splash. This is the optimized box. And that's why, you know, it hurts me that Thanasis is not just not going to be a playoff guy. That does hurt me. We kind of predicted this. We we did predict it. And it's just like the shooting is just such a difference. And this is the optimized box. Like you can't, there's no good decisions in some of these cases. Like, at a certain point, you're either letting Giannis play straight up, which is death. You're sending too much help off of all, like everyone they played. Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Drew Holiday. I, okay, Dante was one for five. Drew was actually also one for five. So it was actually an unseasonably bad shooting night from the Bucks backcourt who go two for ten. But the guys they play, though, they're all guys who you know can knock down catch and shoot threes. Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Drew Holiday, Dante DiVincenzo, PJ Tucker, Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, and Bryn Forbes. The Bucks have made this nine-man group, and I, I think you'd put Teague out there too, although he's probably the most questionable out of the non-Giannis guys out there. But these nine guys that they played, it's Giannis and all guys who will hit a shot in your eye if you leave them open. That is just deadly, and it was on display. Like, no good choices. Either Giannis is getting to the rim and shooting free throws or dunking, or Bobby Portis is shooting from the corner. Brooke Lopez is shooting from the corner. Bryn Forbes shooting from every damn where. Chris Middleton. Like, it's impossible to lock down this team when they're playing like this and actually taking every possession this seriously of, like, the ball is going to work to Giannis and Drew, and then it's going to work to whoever's open. And the Sixers just had no answer. 
Do you want to know the difference between this group of personnel versus years past is that uh, years past, the Bucks had guys who would shoot to create gravity. This year, the Bucks have shooters. Shooters, yeah. It's it's Bledsoe versus Drew Holiday. And I think the overall career numbers, and maybe they're not now because Drew's been so good this year, but coming in, it wasn't a huge difference. Like if you just looked at the numbers, and I know this because people did say this, right? Like, oh, you know, Drew's not that great of a shooter either. I don't know if the fit is going to be that much better. Bledsoe, like you you said it perfectly, would shoot as a result of gravity or to try and sustain gravity. Drew just shoots. Like Drew will make himself open and shoot and just knock the thing down. I could you 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 nailed it. Like Portis, Forbes, New Pat C. These are all guys who are like the ball PJ, hits them theoretically. P, PJ shooting like forty some percent on the season with the Bucks at this point. He got hot and the number finally went up. Oh for one tonight. But did you see the Sixers working so hard to not let him shoot corner threes? I think Daryl Morey is a little familiar with his work, and so is Doc Rivers coaching out west. That they were like, Oof. they were two Sixers the, showing up. The every Bucks time. are just building a Sixers nightmare team. They are. They are. Jay Sean, Jay Sean Tate next year. Let's go. But oh, I don't that think, would, I don't yeah, think that he's would, a free actually. Agent. Houston, you never know. <laughs> Trade them that trade them the 31st pick back for Tate. They, they're rebuilding. Why not? That pick might be 31, by the way. That's absolute money. The Bucs could be trading down five spots and, and getting PJ uh, Tucker. It's not out of gonna it. be 31. It is right now, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Oh. Jordan Chesky tweeted like today or yesterday. Oh. Yeah. They're terrible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it might be literally the first pick in the second round to acquire PJ Tucker. So not a bad trade there. Um, and the Bucks gave up a first, whatever. I don't care. Back to Portis for a second. And this is a Bud thing. So you, we were right. We did get back to Bud. The scram switches. Yes. This was art, man. So let's break it down. Do you want to or do you want me to? You started off. I'll do it. So the Sixers running pick and rolls on the perimeter. Near the, this is second half. This is near the end of the game. So trying to get back into it. And the Bucks are immediately giving them the switch. So they're saying, Bobby Portis, go to the perimeter player. We'll take whoever it is. I think a, a, a lot of Bryn Forbes it was because the Sixers wanted to pick on Bryn Forbes. And as I've as I've maintained, I feel good about my Forbes stock. He's not a bad defender. He's just small. So if you get a big guy on him, that's where he can feel like a bad defender because there's only so much he can do. So the Sixers get their big guy with Bryn Forbes on him in the paint and Bobby Portis out on the perimeter. As we've also talked about, Bobby Portis, just fine on the perimeter. He's going to do okay. He's got long arms. He's aggressive. He's got quick feet. He's not terrible instinctually when it's as simple as, you know, switch and stay in front of your guy. He can do that. So the issue now, of course, is Bryn Forbes in the paint. The Bucks repeatedly are running what's called a scram switch where Giannis rotates over from his man to cover the big in the paint. I think it was Dwight most of the time. And then Forbes is out on the perimeter. So the Sixers run all this offense to set up this switch, and they end up trying to score through both Bobby Portis and Giannis in the paint, which is an absolute nightmare. And they just they got no advantage out of it. And this was again one of those things that, like, you know, what can the Bucs do to not give up these crazy mismatches and not make their lives so much harder? This was a relatively simple thing for them to pull off, but it made so much of a difference. And I really think. You know, the game does end up being close, partially because Jordan Warwick can't throw a pass. So, you know, maybe another possession or two makes this thing even a little sweaty at the end. 
those scram switches really helped to shut down Philly offense and not allow that. And it's just so great to see stuff like that from the Bucks after some of these late game incidents uh, in recent games. Just it's great to see a huge W from the coaching staff. For sure. I you mentioned that it's a it's a simple thing to do. In in theory, it is a simple thing to do. However, we have not seen the Bucks execute this at this level all season long. They've been trying no. this all season and they have not executed it to the level at which they did against the Sixers team. And so that's why it's such an eye-popping revelation is like, oh, oh, the Bucks, Bucks are doing the thing. They're doing the thing. <laughs> which is which is why we've been talking recently about like, oh, does does this Bucks team, are they relying on the flip the switch mentality? Is that super bad? Can you really realistically hope up, hope for that come playoff time? Well, they did it. It's one game, but they did it. They really did. And we we saw them execute the defense that they've been wanting to all season long, that they've been building for all season long. And this is what happens. It was, yeah, you could you could see the work. You could see the work paying off in real time. That's what I th- kept thinking during the game. Yeah, it, all of the hard work just absolutely paid off. You're seeing like, oh, this team, oh, they can, they've been working through the struggles. It's like a, it's like a fairy tale ending sort of thing. I know this is not the last game of the season. No, it's one game against a team that did not have Ben Simmons. Let's put this in context. Let's remember the context. It's still very important because now, now this team knows that they can do it, and this is something that they can execute going forward, which is incredibly important because. This is a team that they might face in the postseason. I hope so. I'm ready for I this hope, series. Hey, I'll say this. I'm not scared of the Sixers. No. At all. Absolutely at all. not. Absolutely not. Uh, Do you see Giannis going at Embiid there in like the second and third quarter before Embiid exited? Yeah. So, he started to yeah, go so at him. Bu- yeah, the Bucks, uh, or I'm sorry, the Sixers sort of adjusted their defense a little bit. Instead of having Embiid on Brook Lopez, they put Embiid on Giannis and sort of went to a pseudo zone defense. And that started to give the Bucks a little bit of trouble initially because they're like, oh, how do we how do we adjust to this new defense? Oh, it's just give Giannis the ball and let him be the MVP, the back-to-back yep. reigning MVP. And he will just go out and sun Embiid like he's used to doing. The the amount of wins he got against a guy who was was a legitimately DPOI level is just like it's it's never not unbelievable. Embiid's not going to gonna win an award this year, and it's going to be delicious. It's going to be hilarious. Yeah, um. <laughs> he's not winning MVP. Nope, he's not he's, winning DPOI. He's not first on his team in DPOI standings right now. That he is he's competing against his teammate. Both of them are <laughs> campaigning for DPOI. And he just like, beautifully pointed out on his pod. Yeah. They both can't win it. <laughs> like I love that MB is just like blatantly going on podcasts to try and boost his case for these awards. He did low posts and then Shams is whatever in like the last 10 days. Yeah. And it's just like, okay. I, I hope Sixers fans, if you're hate listening to this, welcome. Yeah. Uh, please subscribe. I hope you realize. Yeah, please subscribe. Leave a five-star review. Uh, <laughs> I hope you realize how much work Embiid is putting in to get one MVP. The Giannis has two. And it was Listen, fairly convincing. These I mean, two are not on the same planet. Maybe uh, maybe Giannis should start calling into the stadium and then he can get some of these calls. Maybe. Did you see Giannis going on any press tours trying to campaign? Did you hear him one time say, okay, outside of that dunk against the Wizards, like in an actual setting, say I'm the MVP? <laughs> he literally said, don't call me the MVP. I want to go win a championship. No, no, I think he said don't win MVP until I go win it again next year. 
Oh yeah, that. Oh, and think, then that, he that won it the, again next year. Yeah, was, that then, was the first time. Then and then, then yeah, that. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just old. It's it's nothing new for him. You know, it's like he's won like, two of them things. Exactly. It's, that's that's like, old. It, news. It, it's easy for Giannis. Him and Embiid are not of the same stratosphere. That's all I'm going to say. There's levels to this. There's levels to this. Um, Giannis' stat line tonight: twenty-seven points, sixteen rebounds, six assists, two steals, and a block, plus twenty-five. And it was a quietish game it was a quiet-ish uh, in the game. first half. <laughs> One for two from deep. Three looked nice, man. The three he looked did. nice. He hit some fadeaway jumpers. <sighs> what a game. He just, when Giannis gets matched up against Dwight Howard, I feel like he takes it personally. He goes full MJ. Like, oh, he I sees Food City. Oh, for sure. For sure. And he's just like, okay, I am going to embarrass you every single possession. Have, and have he you, does it. Have you watched I Think You Should Leave? No, <laughs> that's your homework. Once you're done with your thousand homework assignments, li- real ones is I think you should leave on Netflix. It's a sketch comedy show. And there's one sketch where a character's like, I'm going to embarrass you with this party, Barry. And now I need to Photoshop Giannis and Embiid or Giannis and Dwight Howard onto uh, onto a scene from that and tweet it. If you're listening and you watch the show, please do that for me because I'm lazy. and I don't have a good memory. <laughs> anyway, I, I can't believe how good I feel about this nine. And really, the more I think about it, I, I do want Teague. I think I want Teague to take some Dante minutes, especially those point guard minutes. But I just six love minutes. It. Huh? Like six minutes. That's not a lot. Yeah. Well, it's in this game, it would be, I'll give you an exact number, 13 minutes. It is 48 minus Drew Holiday's minutes should be Jeff Teague's minutes. Like they just need someone yeah. out there who can dribble and set up offense. And that's Teague. So I think if Drew is going to play 40, Teague should play eight. Well, counter. You you can have uh, lineups that don't have Drew Holiday, but don't have Dante being the primary ball handler. <laughs> like you still also have Chris and Giannis that you can I guess. rely on. I mean, I I just like the way I think Teague is just really good at at getting into the the teeth of the defense and setting guys up in a way that even Chris sometimes. I mean, we're just I just feel like we're just being more honest about Chris's strengths and weaknesses this year. Fair. One of the few bad plays was that first quarter when he posted up and just lost it. Yeah. The dribbling just not not his strong suit. So, you know, just just let Teague get him into a better shot and then let Chris go. That's what I want to see. So I just thought of my minutes. better than prime Paul George take and I <laughs> Yeah, you see it's a little little tenuous. But you know, it happens. We get excited. Um I don't even know where to go from here. I'm just like smiling, looking at the box. Yeah, it's just like I guess I guess you could talk me into Teague playing around 13 minutes a game. That's fine. Sure. It's it's literally for me 48 minus X and X is Drew Holiday's minutes. Like I just want him out there for those spotting up and dribbling in and kind of setting guys up because he's good at that. Um, you know, I want to talk about Drew Holiday affecting okay. this game profoundly while scoring 12 points. That's Which, what that's what he's that's what he's here to do, Ty. This is the this has been the scouting report on Drew Holiday his entire career. This is what he does. He impacts games. He is a play maker. He does like like you said, twelve points, horrendous shooting night, five of twelve from the field, one of five from three, just awful. Like those are going to regress to the mean hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is not the usual offensive output from Drew Holiday. But I guess you can sort of uh, expect that when he's just playing absolutely otherworldly defense. Uh, I w- I was talking with a uh, Jackson Frank on Twitter on locker room before the game, 
And just uh, we were talking about like, oh, Drew Holiday is a guy who can switch one through four, which really impacts Milwaukee's defensive versatility. You know, he can he can go one through five. Uh, he he had a possession where he he stood up Joel Embiid in the post and forced a turnover. Like, what is that? Who does that? And that's like Man, if you can do that six, against five. If you can do that against Embiid, you can do that against any center in the NBA. Man, I would have I would have Drew Holiday guarding Boban, and I'd be okay with that. Drew Holiday could guard an elephant that just saw a mouse if he had to. Drew Holiday can do anything. George, also, prime George Morrison, prime Yao Ming. Give me Drew Holiday every single time. <laughs> and the thing about Drew's offense is even with the bad shooting night, he's able to be a plus offensive player. 11 dimes, 11 assists quietly for Drew Holiday in this game, who just, he's getting more comfortable, I think, working with within this offense, pioneering or steering this offense. Like pioneers used to ride this baby for miles. I don't know why I thought of that, but... <laughs> You know, 11 assists, four rebounds, a steal, a block, two turnovers. So a quiet 11 to two assist to turnover ratio. So even when his shot isn't falling, he's making plays for the rest of the team. That's how you win his minutes by 20, even though he's shooting five for 12. I'm so sorry, Eric Bledsoe. It has to be done. When, (laughs) When Drew Holiday is not shooting well, he does not turn into a shell and force shots. He continues to impact the game and that's not something the bucks have gotten from their point guard play in the last two years his mentality drews is just like i can't imagine that guy ever being phased i feel like he'll miss five shots in a row he'll turn it over he'll his his off-ball three-point defense is kind of cheeks tonight he lost seth a couple times so there's just no need to so hopefully that gets ironed out um by the by the real playoffs but or by the playoffs these aren't even fake playoffs but like, I just feel like he's unflappable out there. Like, he's just like, he's always next play up. And sometimes you'll see him, like, he'll mess up and turn the ball over and just immediately go and, like, steal it back and make a play. Like, his mindset is built for playoffs. And, again, I know I've said this a lot. We have not seen the best of Bucks Drew Holiday yet. I truly think playoffs Drew is just going to be a whole different animal. We've seen that. We've seen playoff Drew be a massive improvement on regular season Drew. And this is regular season Drew, right? <laughs> like, I can, oh my goodness, I'm excited. How much time do we have? Like a month? Less than a month. It's Less mid-May-ish, month? right? That's when the playoffs yeah. start? Yeah, I think so. I'm so, so excited. Drew Holiday is just, this. this is a perfect game. Because he also, remember, in the first game against Philly, he also said, it's fun going off against Philly or something to that extent. He I can't was built remember. to be a buck. Oh yeah, for sure. Buck for life. Remember buck. Oh my God. That makes me feel so good right now, man. Um, Buck's last regular season game is May 16th. So probably just around a month from now, the playoffs will be starting. Yeah. Perfect. Speaking Bring of playoffs, speaking of playoffs, let's talk about seating. Yes. Let's do suddenly, it. Suddenly, suddenly things are not so cut and dry with the Eastern Conference seeding picture. So I believe this is updated. So Milwaukee currently in two and a half games back behind both the Sixers and the Nets, now with the tiebreaker locked up over Philly, 2-0 against them this season. So the next game obviously is going to be huge to win for Milwaukee, just you know make up another game in the standings. But no matter what, if Milwaukee and Philly end the season tied in record, Milwaukee gets the edge. So obviously these two Brooklyn games coming up will be huge as well. 
But even if the Bucks just catch the Sixers, it would certainly be better to beat two than three. Of course, one, the best overall, still definitely in play. We talked about in the tail end of last podcast, James Harden now missing time, Kevin Durant in and out of the lineup. These Nets are just not going to have their big three until around the playoffs, if not during the first first round series for them. Like the Sixers are banged up and, you know, they're now lost three straight games. The Bucks have a chance to make it four straight games. And again, tiebreaker firmed up. If Milwaukee can go on a run these last few games and most importantly, handle the Philly and Brooklyn games, all of a sudden they are within like a game or half a game from that first seed after the Brooklyn games, if they can stay hot. Even like, let's say they don't get the first seed. Let's just say that. Even if they get the two seed and the Brooklyn Nets are the number one seed, that's still a win. Oh yeah, that's huge. We talked about that in our playoff matchups uh, podcast. It's just like, you'd rather play uh, Brooklyn in the conference finals than the uh, semifinals. And you'd rather have game seven at home, potentially against Philly. If the series does go long, you think that's going to seven? No, I think they'd uh, they'd win it at home, just not in a game seven. Five? Yeah. 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 Five. There we go. The home game. Yeah. We we're, we're back. We're back. Um, let's let's look at the schedule quick for the seating thing. So Saturday, two thirty p.m. Gross start time. Make sure to not miss it. Sixers in Milwaukee. So obviously, again, tiebreaker sealed up. But you win the game, you are officially. One and a half games behind Philly, and reasonably you get basically a half game for holding the tiebreaker. So you're about one game away from surpassing Philly. Then it is back-to-back, so the Hawks the next night, a big game to win. Probably maybe their toughest second night of a back-to-back game on the rest of the schedule. So that's the flip side. A lot of back-to-backs. The Hawks won't have Trey Young. Yes, correct. His his ankle? Yep. But it's not serious. So the Hawks without Trey Young. Um, then Tuesday is the Hornets. Thursday is the Rockets. Friday is the Bulls. So again, like it's a back to back, but it's the worst team in the NBA. And then a Bulls team, probably without Zach Levine, that hasn't even been very good with Zach Levine. Then you get a day off Sunday matinee game against the Nets. Another day off Tuesday night game against the Nets. Those are huge. Next again, back to back, but against the Wizards who actually are surging right now, but they're still the Wizards. May 7th, Rockets again, somehow. May 10th, Spurs, who are sputtering. May 11th, a back-to-back, the Orlando Magic, also one of the worst teams in the NBA. May 13th, Pacers, who stink now. May 15th, Heat, good team. May 16th, the Bulls again. This schedule is not that tough for Milwaukee, outside of the very important seeding games. So if the Bucks take care of business in those, I think a lot of these back-to-back games they could afford to rest a Giannis, a Drew, a Chris, or even two of them. Like, you can still beat the Rockets. You can still handle probably Chicago. Like, there's a path here to that first seed. I did not realize how bad that's It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. I think it looked better earlier because you don't assume, like, the Spurs were good at one point this season. The Pacers were. The Magic were at least, like, Magic bad and not bad bad. Now it's like, oh my goodness. I mean, LaMelo might be back for that Hornets game, but that's in question. Somehow. Like, what? Somehow. I have no that's... idea. They just, I love the way they phrase that, uh, the, the tweet that says, uh, 
Um, his wrist is healed like they stuck it in some magic dirt. And now it's fully healed. <laughs> we did it. It's, <laughs> it's good now. <laughs> Let's go. That is just beautiful. Yeah. But yeah, like like the Sixers, to be fair, like they play uh, after this uh, their second game against the Bucks. They have a day off and then they play the Thunder, who are sure. Uh, they'll fight, though. They'll fight, but they'll lose. The tank is on. Yeah, we'll, uh, see, what, two... we'll see what Dort has to say about that. Oh, God. They have two games against the Hawks. Then they have a game against the Spurs, the Bulls, Rockets, Pelicans, Pistons, mm. Pacers, Heat, Magic, and Magic. Like, it's, it's not so great. pretty similar. It's actually easier somehow. Yeah. So, realistically, you're hoping for Philly to sort of you just sputter a little bit. And they have been. And, again, they're who knows how long they're going to be without Ben Simmons. Yeah. So, you have that in their regard. Like, like we said, the uh, – the Harden's probably going to be out until the playoffs for the Brooklyn Nets. So that's going to make their life a little bit difficult. It's it's very easy to see the Bucks realistically getting to the two seed and maybe even the one seed. Oh, the Nets do not have an easy schedule at all. Oh, they don't? Surging Celtics, Suns, Raptors, who are kind of getting healthy and figuring some things out, Pacers, Blazers fighting for their seeding lives, Bucks, Bucks, Mavericks, Nuggets, Bulls, Spurs, Bulls, Cavs. So the last four are super easy, but there's a bit of a murderer's row there. Blazers, and the Bucks, Cavs Bucks. are trying to get in the play in too. They have oh, a chance. God. Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> I'm sorry. They're four Cavs games friends. out of the uh, play. That's a lot. That's a lot, row. Come on. I mean, like coming into tonight, the Bucks are three and a half games back of the one seed. And we're talking about them having a shot at the one seed. Yeah, but the Bucks are good. The Cavs are good. Have you seen what Garland and Sexton have been doing the last couple of games? I feel like you're on someone's payroll. I'm not. Grant Gilbert slid in the DMs. So what's your what's your Venmo? Hey, I'll take Gilbert money, man. Oh, <laughs> like, I will too. I'm not, not going to front. If Dan Gilbert slid into my DMs offering money to pay, like talk of good things about the Cavaliers, 100%, you could expect that. I'd be talking good Cavs talk. All yeah, same, but I'm going to shut it down until I, hit, I get the Venmo in my account too. So enough about the Cavs, but... You know, I listen, I don't want to sell false hope on the podcast. I think it's definitely still an uphill battle for the Bucks to get that first seed, but it does feel more in play than it has recently. And I think there's a pathway now. You almost, in my opinion, you almost have to sweep these last three Sixers uh, Nets games, which is obviously going to be very difficult, even with uh, both teams banged up. But I think the Sixers may be even more important than the Nets with that scheduled difference. The Nets are just going to have some really hard games. I mean, having the Suns and the Nuggets left and the Mavs, and that those Mavs and Nuggets games, those are on the road. That's a West Coast road trip for them. That's hard for Brooklyn. So Milwaukee just needs to take care of business, unlike that Suns game, and win winnable games. But hopefully... Imagine this, if they won that Suns game. Either one of them. Either one of them would have been nice, but... Um, Bucks keep taking care of business. Don't drop these winnable games, and they could end up really close to that one seed when all is said and done. For sure, for sure. Also, another side note: Why is the play-in tournament so complicated? I did not realize this. What do you mean? Like, why is it the winner of the nine and why are the nine and ten gate? Why is it different than it was in the bubble? Is it? I thought it was yeah. the same. No, nine and ten play a game. The winner of that plays the loser of seven and eight. Oh and then the God. winner of that game gets the eighth seed. And the what loser about seven? Of that is the seventh seed. Wait, wouldn't the winner get seven? 
Why would the winner get eight? Yeah, the win. Wait, the winner has to get seven. That would be. Yeah, that makes sense. I think you know what? Lower seed, they get eight, and if it's the I'm so. Why is it different? That's all I'm. They they play little commercials like on League Pass to tell you how it works, and clearly I wasn't paying attention. Oh yeah, you're right. So, wow, that's stupid. Why is it not the same thing as it was in the bubble? Well, you know what I don't like is why is there not a, a cushion that needs to be met? Right, like yeah, in the bubble, it was what like four games four or three games, and a half games or games. something. And if you weren't within that, the play in didn't happen, and that made sense. Like a close race, make it interesting. Like I don't give a damn about the seventh seed; they don't need to be safe if it's that close. Why do nine and ten play and eight and seven play? Shouldn't it be seven versus ten and nine I, versus eight? You know what's funny is people's logic is like, oh, the ratings. Like no one's tuning in for this. Bro, no one I is like do not care to watch oh the God. Pacers versus the Wizards as it's exactly. currently constructed. You can like I'm not watching that game. No, like, absolutely. Who is going to get absolutely smacked by the Heat or Hornets, and then absolutely smacked by the one seed? Tune in. But it's I, like if, in, uh, so the Wizards would be close to within. They're right now they're three and a half back of eight. But if like imagine if the eight seed was like. 10 games ahead of the ninth seed and they did this play in like that's just offensive like it and it's i don't think it would be far enough away this time but it's still like the fact that it's even possible in my opinion is very dumb like there could be a huge drop off from eight to nine or nine to ten and i think as it stands this year that 10th place team still gets a shot which is just like really i just i don't understand I really don't. Oh, wait. So the winner of 7-8, the first 7-8 matchup just gets the 7 seed. And then the loser plays in that. Oh, my goodness. The winner of 9 and 10. And the winner of that is the 8 seed. Wow. So if you're in 9 or 10, you have to win two straight games to be 8. Yes. That's tough. Which is theoretically the same thing as it was in the bubble. But it's just weird. You'd play two different teams. Wow, so there's no two game. It's no two game this year. No, no. Wow, that's harsh. For, so if you're in seventh, weird. you win two games, you're done, or lose two games, you're done. Yeah, it's in a COVID year. Yeah, Damn. yeah. So Dallas could lose to Memphis and then lose to the to the Warriors, and then they'd be out. Imagine the ratings of like a Zion Luca. That's what they're going for. They're not going to get it. They're going to end up with like. Spurs, but every year they're going to try to get Zion <laughs> the play in, and then every year they're going to fail spectacularly. Although I will say, oh, you know what? Now I am, I'm, I'm a POS because I'm saying I'm making these jokes about them rigging it for Zion, but now I do want the Pelicans to pass the Spurs so we get Steph Zion and then presumably Steph against one of Ja or Luca. So Luca, that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, probably Luca. Um, or no, no, probably Ja, because Luca would probably yes, win. Yes, and then, yes. yeah, you're right, because it doesn't make any sense. It's very stupid. I'm glad okay. you said this because I had no idea it was like that. Um, I just assumed it was the same. I just realized this now. It's it's, it's illogical. Um, I have an analogy I want to close with. Okay, let me hear this. This sounds poetic and beautiful, and I can't it, wait to be hyping this up. It's kind of just rude, but so do you know how you compare the last year's Sixers to like the 15, 16 bucks? Yeah, and then I compared uh, this year's Sixers to the eighteen nineteen bucks. I actually want to compare them to last year's bucks. Or the, yeah, last year's bucks. Oh. I made that comparison like two oh, yeah. ago. Time. <laughs> I thought it was. I was like, ah, I came up with this. This is brilliant. 
I tweeted it too. Oh. <laughs> Well, never mind. I didn't say like, here's my original metaphor, but I just kind of put it out there in a tweet and I felt so good about it. I and said I this like, year's Bucks remind me of last year's Bucks. I mean, this year's Sixers remind me of last year's Bucks. Listen, it's getting late. It's been a long day. I'm accidentally stealing content from my wonderful co-host. Well, it's a great metaphor. Congratulations. <laughs> incredible oh man i was like so proud you know as i kind of set it up i kind of started thinking like wait he brought up that old metaphor to introduce a new sixers metaphor i think he might have said this i was just watching your face when i said it and i was like oh no it's okay it means you appreciate the metaphor i made earlier and it's fine i don't care if you want to think it's fine no it's officially tm rohan's metaphor from now on this year's sixers no it's tm Eurostep metaphor oh there we go yeah yeah. do it for the brand do Do it it for the the brand brand. as always so it's both of ours but it's so good like Embiid is like Giannis without enough help tobias is chris like overtaxed as the main second guy who has to do so much lifting with the first guy being more of a, a big kind of player, even though Embiid, obviously a bit a better shooter than Giannis, still he needs that perimeter player help. Tobias, you're just asking too much from Tobias Harris, who I, I actually like Tobias, and I'm glad he's playing can well. But the, can I make the final one? Yeah, Simmons is Bledsoe. Yeah, Simmons is tall yeah. Bledsoe. I love that. He's a regular season guy who gets very very uh, much praise for his defense. He gets on and, all and defensive, defensive teams awards. And then when the playoffs come, he just has such a reduced role. And it just it hampers the team. Simmons really is like a huge Bledsoe, but more of a coward. Yeah. They're both wow. clutch guys. Wow. I'm going right? to get so much hate for that. Simmons has better court vision than Bledsoe. But otherwise... Simmons is a tall Bledsoe. Who do they call tall Rondo? Is that also Simmons? Yeah. <laughs> Just like a tall. Hey, no, Dad, don't disrespect Rondo. Like yeah, Rondo that. doesn't deserve that. Rondo doing. is Rondo is the opposite. Oh, uh, we, uh, we are spewing the hate tonight. Hey, we deserve it. It's been a great game. That's a perfect place to wrap this up. Uh, we'll say thank you for listening to this post-game reaction episode of the Eurostep here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. If you did enjoy the show or you're just a Sixers fan, hate listening to this. Uh again, thanks for being here. Thanks for the download. Uh, if you want to leave us a five-star review, just anyone, please do so. Tweet at us. We love to see these sort of things. Uh, make sure you're spreading the good word about the pod. Tell all your friends, family about Ooh. not only our show, but all of the shows across the entire Blue Wire Podcast Network. Drop the, drop the Twitter handles. Drop the Twitter handles. Oh, yeah. Twitter handles at Ty Windish, at Arcati Jr., R-K-A-T-T-I-J-R. <clears throat> Excuse me. And for at Ty Windish at T I W I N D S C H I S C H. I said that, didn't I? I didn't, oh, I didn't hear the I. My bad. At T I W I N D I S C H on okay. Twitter. I yeah. might have messed up. I yeah, sorry. Um, so, yeah, tweet us, tweet us your five star reviews, tweet us your thoughts about the show, and please stay safe, everyone, and we will talk to you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.